Hey everybody, this is your host Javier and Daniel and you're listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We're just two brown best amigos talking about everything and anything through a Latino and indigenous perspective. In this podcast, expect some tears, joy, and definitely laughter. Imagine you sitting around a table with your best friends but sober. Or you can have a drink too because we don't judge. Well... And we're back, everybody. This is Brown Sound Season 3, Episode 1. What is up, Cheekex? Hey, we're we're back, Season 3. <laughs> we've we've been gone for a moment, but, uh, you know, game time. We're back. <laughs> we're back, and I'm so excited for the season because, as promised, we are going to deliver a lot of new insight into, you know, mm-hmm. our stories, our perspectives, and highlighting people from our communities also is going to be key. And Chikix, I, I need to hold you accountable. You told everybody last season that you, this episode, we are gonna we were going to cry. Are you ready for... <laughs> I'm like, are you ready to let the are tears we, out? We, yeah. Are we waiting for that right now? Or <laughs> yeah. maybe that could be the last episode or something, uh, you know? Just it, but it, it's coming. It's coming yeah, this season. One of, the, so one of these out. days. We're going to get very vulnerable, and I'm excited for that for sure. Um, but no, I'm excited about today for other reasons. And maybe you can tell us why, Chikix. Yes. So starting out our first season of episode three, or our, fir- our first episode of season three. See, I'm getting rusty. It's been a couple of weeks. We haven't. <laughs> done as i'm all messed up no but um so our first episode of season three we have a very special guest today and i'm so excited you know it's already been fun just connecting within the first couple five minutes here so let me introduce (laughs) our next guest here she is a lifelong resident of caldwell idaho school board chair volunteer mother and advocate and currently running for the idaho house of representatives seat 11b so let's all give a brown sound welcome to maricela piscina yeah. Thank Two you. C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> representing. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to get to. Representing. Yes. Thank you guys for inviting me. Um, my name is Maricela Pesina, and I got this wild hair that I just don't have enough to do. You know, I'm a I'm a mom of of uh, two great kids, a 32 year old son and a and a 28 year old daughter, and then I took in some grandnieces, and so they're oh. under my care. And so you know, I work a full time job. I'm an escrow officer with a company here in town, Pioneer Title. Oh, wow. And then I sit on the board for the school district. So that's, you know, adding a little bit more meetings. And I thought, you know, I've got a, yeah. I got some time on my hands left over. So why don't I just run for the state legislature? That's the thing about Latina women, though. It's like one thing isn't enough. I, I mean, even <laughs> I see it in my family members, too. And definitely in your work, it's like Latina women, like just very, I don't know, but just, I can do it all. And, and they can mm-hmm. and they definitely can <laughs> yeah right yes yes and you know and it's funny because I'll get home from work and I'm and everyone looks at me like hey mom what are you gonna make for dinner <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like are you kidding me all right hold on I know we have tortillas in the fridge <laughs> tonight is quesadilla night <laughs> yeah I love that yeah. what are other well because you touched on it already what are some other go-to meals that you're like really good at like on the fly you can just whip something up you you know, I really like, and, and it's funny because I do it during the summer, during the hottest days. And what did we have, like 150 days of 100 degrees <laughs> yeah. this summer? It was I crazy. know where you're going with this. <laughs> so you and I say, you know what? This. Today's a great day to make caldo. We're going to do caldo de res or caldo de pollo. And the kids are like, are you kidding, mom? And I'm like, yes, it's a good day. Turn up the AC. We're going to make caldo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
So that's one of my go-to, but I really, really enjoy making enchiladas, chicken enchiladas, rice and beans. It's the go-to. My kids have a lot of friends that come over and, you know, my my son is of the LGBT community. He is non-binary. So he has a lot of friends that are of the LGBTQ plus community and and I invite them to come over, you know, come on over, you know, where we can eat. Uh, There's a saying in Spanish that you can cut a, a frijol into as many as many times as you want to defeat everybody and and a frijol is a really small bean just you know yeah. daniel for your for daniel yeah daniel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know when you where you feed one you can feed many and that's always been our mentality and you know it's always been about you know having full bellies and and i really enjoy doing that and and especially with the lgbt community because there's a lot of kids that don't really feel safe or don't have a, yeah. a safe environment to be at and so the holidays are just full of you know glitter and gayness <laughs> all over <laughs> So yeah. I want to say that I might have met your your son before because CWI had a drag bingo event and I actually reached out to some of the local drag queens in the area and we were able to have them come out and help. It was such a fun event. Yes. But, uh, yes. So their name is Maliha and and they won. Um, Boise has a drag show. It's called the BNDS Boise's Next Drag Superstar. And so Maliha was the the winner of the first episode. So yeah, and and I remember that we had just come back from Puerto Rico and he was like oh I gotta get my gigs my my stuff ready for this gig it's gonna be great and I really wanted to go but I had some other events that I had to do and I thought you know because I I always I try to help all of them when they're backstage at the balcony and so I'm that mom and the nice thing is that (laughs) you know all that stuff happens like after 10 o'clock at night so you know everyone else is in bed or and I've already had my nap you know because he does have to take a nap you know (laughs) so that we can keep going (laughs) and and you know i'm just like no i don't think i could drink a red bull that's probably gonna get me really (laughs) wired so i'll just take a nap and then and then i'll go help you guys after 10 o'clock so um you know it's it's opened up my eyes because i was raised um in a very very strict religion and you know and what we were told was that you know that that was bad being gay was bad and so Mm. as a single mom i always you know i want to make sure my kids had everything and i worked a lot i worked at Micron 12 hour shifts and but I want to make sure that they were engaged that they were in school and doing Mm -hmm. you know um, sports or in band or student council and I always supported them and in my son's senior year um, his junior year he actually came out to me and I I was like what and I go through the boxes my my picture boxes and I'm like well there he is con la manita caída and and Daniel that means his little hand was you know he would pose and his little hand was down and and I thought I just never realized that and so you know so I thought okay but it kind of scared me because of you know the the our state is so conservative and yeah. and it scared me as a mom that you know my my son might not be safe and I even questioned him and I asked him should we move and he said no mom my friends are here this is where I live our family's here you know wow. we we yeah. should be okay and I said okay so it was a struggle because I thought I had done something wrong and and Mexican moms are so good about the guilt trip you know <laughs> we're probably you know just as bad as Jewish moms you know with the guilt you know like or or even throwing the guilt trip the kids and so I just thought wow I I hope it wasn't you know when my son was a boy scout oh my gosh you know because that was Mm -hmm. something big as well and he's like no mom it never there was nothing ever that happened to me you know I thought maybe because maybe he had been you know somebody had tried something with him or and 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 no 
He said, no, mom, I knew when I was in the second grade that I was different. And I didn't know how, but I knew I was different. And I don't know if you guys remember, and you may not because you're a lot younger, but back in the day when you had cable TV, sometimes um, HBO or Cinemax would, you'd have a month for free. Oh, yeah. You know, and and you and just so they could like reel you in. And mm-hmm. my kids, you know, I was working at, at, at my quant 12 hour shift. So sometimes my kids were home and, and they were like, don't tell mom that this is a month that HBO is free because then she's going to regulate, you know, the, the channels and we can't see what we want. <laughs> and um, so my son was in the fifth grade and he started watching the show uh, Queer as Folk. And oh. he said, OK, that's what I am. That's that's those are that's what I am. And he finally was able to put because he never talked to me about it, but he finally put two and two together and said, I'm queer that's what I am. So, you know, and then he kept it to himself because he just felt like, you know, I I don't know, we we never had that conversation. And I think he wanted to make, he wanted to make me proud. And he felt that maybe it was because of the way, you know, little kids would say, you know, hey, the F word, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it would make him really sad. But that's one thing too, that, you know, we've always been big people. You know, I want to say that if I lived in the ice age, I'd be the first woman that get married to Mr. Super Caveman because I'd be nice and chunky and keep warm you know but unfortunately that's not you know the age I was born in but we're always big kid big people and so my kids always got bullied and 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 I would always tell them you know there's got to be all kinds of people in this world you can't just fit in a box and mm-hmm, and yeah. you have to make sure that you know what your value is and how much you're worth you know what your worth yeah. is and and I, I repeated that every day every day and they're pretty strong people as far as like mentally um they they're able to to defend themselves when you know in conversations and things like that and so they you know they they used to be shy but then then they were not so i'm <laughs> glad about that yeah because sometimes we have to you know we've got to make sure my dad always said defiendete make sure you defend yep. yourself because you know or else they're just going to see you as uh, a weak person and you know and and you're not yep. going to get out of that rut absolutely i remember going up to my mom and dad would be like si vas a pelear no te dejes <laughs> like don't start a fight but you better be in there throwing blows right and that's yeah that's what i think about like you just gotta defend yourself and mm-hmm. you know that that's a, that sounds everything you just explained or everything you just discussed it's like that that feels like family you know that's that's what mm-hmm. parents growing up mm-hmm. would be like you need to know your worth you need to know your values you need to make sure you speak up and daniel and i actually had an episode where we talked about like being bullied and yeah. you know the pressures <laughs> that unfortunately students or not students but little kids learn and it's yeah mm-hmm. it's learned behavior sometimes it's a part of the culture um especially the words that you use um and Uh and it's all about changing that and and making it known that people have different identities and we're all you know we're all different and that's okay there's not a right or wrong way to be latino for example or to be indigenous or to be anything else we're all here to just live and be good people and you know support one another in this journey so thank you so much for sharing that because that yeah Mm -hmm. that was super inspired super insightful um can we ask you some questions yeah sure sure (laughs) go ahead i'm open (laughs) yeah so again thanks thanks for your time today and thanks for you know those those words earlier it's very inspiring um you know when we one thing we're talking a little bit about here is family and stuff so would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your childhood and like what it was like growing up here in idaho or you know things like that so my dad was from a town a border town in northern 
Mexico, in the state of Coahuila. So it, it bumps up, uh, it borders um, South Texas and a little bit of Arizona. Maybe not Arizona, but um, I know it's South Texas. And and the border town that he was born in is uh, Piedras Negras. So in, it translates into Black Rocks. And so there, they had a lot of coal in that town. And it was right on the border. And when my dad um, was about 13, the Amalgamated Sugar Company from Nampa sent a a labor broker down to South Texas looking for, for workers because at the time, you know, after the World War II, there was a lot of uh, revitalization, industrial revitalization. And so a lot of people that used to work in farms, you know, had, had the opportunity to go work for the war effort and they they liked their, you know, whatever it was, eight to five jobs. And, and it wasn't as hard as be, going out and working in the fields and working in the farm. So there was a shortage of, of farm workers. And so um, that is when my dad dad started coming up here at the age of 15. So he ended up in uh, various labor camps. Uh, Weezer was the first one that he went to. So if you go to the town of Weezer, a lot of Mexican-Americans that are there have uh, roots from Eagle Pass because a lot of those folks came from Eagle Pass, wow. which is the border mm. town of, of Piedras Negras. And and that was my dad's base, Eagle Pass. So we came, uh, well, my dad came and then um, they ended up living in the Caldwell Housing Authority. And so it was the it's now called Caldwell Housing Authority, but it was the Caldwell Labor Camp. And there he met my mother a few years later in 1963. And they, um, th- there was a little convenience store there. And, you know, little kids would go buy gum or whatever, candy. Yeah. Older people would buy necessities. They had a bakery and they had a, a butcher shop. And then the young teenagers were looking for what we call, what we say, our media naranja. So <laughs> our better half, but we always say, you know, yeah. you gotta, if you're going to be Latino, you got to throw some flavor, some color so we're gonna say our better orange half okay yeah. daniel, daniel that's for you, you got it yeah that's for you daniel. Yeah. okay <laughs> writing that down <laughs> so yeah so they were looking for their their um orange half and my dad found my mom at this convenience store at this little tiendita at the labor camp and uh my mom says that you know some guy came up and wanted to hold her hand and she was like what and you know it's like probably gave her gave him a kung fu chop or something and anyways and so he says no she's kind of cute so they were married the next year well they were they eloped because there was no such thing as you know uh i don't know what it is with some families you know it's just like oh i think it was the paycheck because everybody at that time you know was working and you didn't want to lose the paycheck and each kid was bringing in a paycheck so i'm thinking that was more of why the reason why they didn't want there and then my mom was 16 so that was pretty young and so they started building their family Family, and I was born in 1965 and I was there at the labor camp. So 1965 yeah. was also uh, an important time in in the in political life because that is when Lyndon B. Johnson started the Head Start program. And he had a vision that he wanted to, you know, they, they wanted to take care of the minority communities because they saw how much poverty was in minority communities. So they what they wanted to do is do early childhood education. And, you know, that was the first time that I remember brushing my teeth. That was the first time I remember taking naps. The first time I remember eating nutritional food. Yeah. So it was a really cool part for me. And and I remember, you know, just learning my ABCs. It was the first time I saw my name on a piece of masking tape. And I thought, wow, that's me. And so I still hang up my, my Head Start diploma in my office. It's my most prized possession. And it was, it's all, it's wrinkled and there's like coffee stains on it, but my dad <laughs> saved it. And I, you know, I was that kid when I was little. And I don't know if you have those kid, children in 
in, in your household, but they're always opening up drawers and you're like, what are you looking for? Get out of there. Or, you know, or when family comes, you know, I'm always watching like for little ears because there's some conversations you can't have when there's yeah. little ears. And, and I remember listening to conversations as a little girl and thinking, why is my tia crying? Why is my aunt crying? And, you know, they were, she was crying because, and this is a crazy story, but, you know, she was crying with my, my mom, who was her sister and my other aunt. And she was telling them, but it's because they say that um, if men don't have sex, they'll go crazy. And I thought, I wonder what sex is. And <laughs> what, what was happening is that my uncle was having an affair and, you know, and she, and, um, she wanted to justify it because, you know, if there was days that she didn't want to have sex, well, he has to go have it with somebody else. And, and yeah. you know, and, and I didn't realize it until I got older what that conversation was all about. And of course, my mom and my aunt were like, no way, Jose, no, you cannot no you don't let him in you know you better just you know put you leave dukes him. And, yeah leave him leave him you know but they were full of little kids and they were like and back in the day it was you know what am i gonna do i my parents are poor and i can't go live with them so it was like i have to you know, there's a saying that that we say um aguantate like you know just put up with it because you can't come back home not with all those little kids we can't support yeah. you so you want to get married aguantate put up with it and and so they saw no other way and and, yeah. you know, but, but like I said, I was that kid that was always looking, you know, just really detailed in many things. Mm -hmm. And so, but we were migrants. And so we would go back to Eagle Pass every year in November. And then in March, we would pack up and we would come to the Norte. Vamos al Norte. Let's come to the North. And so we'd pack up um, our little belongings and we'd, we'd come up here to notice, which is a small town west of Caldwell. And yeah. my dad was a farm labor worker. And so he worked for the farmer. And then in the summertime, he was a farm labor contractor. So all the farmers would go to him to look for for crews to work on their fields. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're the child of a farm labor contractor, always have work. You know, if, mm -hmm. if the work is, if it's minimal, then dad would lay off the other crews for a while, but we'd always go work. And so it was tough working. Well, it was tough, but it, then again, it, we were with family. We were with, with our cousins, our aunts. And so that's where we learned a lot of our, our history of our family. We'd ask questions. And, and sometimes it was questions that um, the older people didn't want to answer because we may have touched <laughs> on things that, you know, why was my tia crying? You know, like, why was my, what was this thing about sex? You know, <laughs> but, you know, but, but we were, we, I started working in the fields and so did my siblings at around 10 years of age. And I, I used to think, was I really 10 years old? But I don't know if you guys know, you can go on to Social Security Administration and you can ask for a report of your income, you know, how much income has gone into your Social Security. And it mm -hmm. will tell you the first year that you earned money and how much you earned that year. And so wow. when I went on there, I thought, wow, I was, on, I was getting a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In 1975, I was 10 years old. So I knew I was young at that age and, and working and, and but, you know, we, it was just what we did. We didn't know any different. Right. Um, maybe we knew that our friends in school, you know, sometimes it was, you know, that, that question. And maybe you've heard it, Javier, like, what did you do for it during the summer? And your friends are like, well, we went to Disneyland. Well, we went to Yellowstone. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we went to the fields. <laughs> I, was like, I was working with my family. <laughs> yeah, I was. That was my, yeah. But my dad was really good. Even though we were poor, we would always go camping. So we'd always go to like Redfish Lake or Stanley. And so my dad would always take us up there and that, you know, what's, what's better than being out in the, in the forest with trees and water, you know, it was great. <laughs> 
Yep. It was really, really good. So that was my life. And, you know, and, and but I had to navigate um, the school system because I had my brother and my sister. And I'd also have to advocate for them because my parents, my dad didn't speak very much English and my mom was really, really shy. So I had to always stand up for my my siblings, make sure that they were getting the credits that they were getting, make sure that they were OK with their homework. And well, I loved homework. So I did all of my siblings' homework. And, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, here's, here you go. Here's my homework, you know. And, and so we always got good grades. <laughs> because I we, got good. Yeah. <laughs> we needed siblings like you growing I up. I know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm like Loretta, Pauline, if you're listening. Just kidding. Like, my older sisters, they never did any of my homework. Yeah. I wanted and, to touch really quick on, Isla, um, on your story resonates with me because I wanted to share. I also grew up in the labor camp. We called it El Campito. Uh-huh. And that, that grocery store that you're talking about, La Tiendita, that's what it was called, right? La Tiendita. Yeah. I had a sign. Uh-huh. Um, I w- remember asking my parents for like like a dollar or something to go get a slushy because that's where you would go get your little slushies growing up. Yes. And I also uh, started that. I was in that labor, the Head Start program there that they have. And I was in like some musicals, I remember, because I have pictures <laughs> growing up where I was like in a little cowboy getup. Uh-huh. And I think I, I, everything you're talking about, like food, seeing my name, it all like resonates with me because I, that, yes, I never put yeah. that in words, but you saying mm-hmm. that just brought me back to all of that. That's, yeah. So yeah. I wanted to share that I have that shared experience. Good, good. Yeah. yeah. They had the best barbacoa and Doña Toña made the best chorizo. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, and, and, you know, and it was really cool because Doña Toña, Antonia Flores, the lady that ran the, the little store, you know, she was always so welcoming because, you know, people were coming from all over and they were mm-hmm. headed to Caldwell to Work. And this is where, you know, they were going to get out of the despair of, you know, not having money. And and sometimes yeah. you'd show up and you had nothing. And she would always open up her books and give you credit. And, yeah. you know, so so that you could start with at least, you know, whatever it was, un kilo de tortillas. Uh, kilo, Daniel is like a pound or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Two pounds. <laughs> and, and tortillas are those round pieces. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to make sure that you're, you know, connected yeah, here, okay? Yes. Yeah. And, but, you know, and so she was always very welcoming. But she was also, you know, um, I want to say like a social worker for a lot of the single moms that were out there. Because even when I became a single mom, and sometimes I couldn't make ends meet because of, you know, bills. And, and you know, it just took one, um, my carburetor to go out or, or my transmission to go out. And, and I was just in a, in a tizzy because I... I'd start crying like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And I could always go to Doña Toña and say, you know, can I just, can I, can I buy milk and eggs on credit? And she's like, sure. So she would never say no. She would never say yeah. no. And, and she probably never, she probably never amassed a fortune, you know, because a lot of people, that's why you go into self-employment, you know, to make some money. But yeah. for her, I think it was just her way of giving to the community. And she was the the glue of the campo, I think, because, you know, she would always, you could always go to her house after she closed her, do- her, her store and she would open up her store and, and offer you whatever she had. So it was, she was an amazing lady. And, and, um, and I was very, very close. I ended up marrying um, uh, the, the man that the father of my kids had a brother who was married to one of Doña's daughters, Aurelia. 
familia. And so, you know, after a little bit, we threw them to the curb, right? We got divorced. <laughs> and and we said, well, we're not sister-in-laws anymore. What do we call ourselves? And I said, I know. We're going to call ourselves sister outlaws. Because <laughs> we've been rebels. <laughs> and, you know, I was the first one that was divorced in my family. And, you know, so many, so many different generations. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to put up with it, you know, which was, mm-hmm. which was hard because, you know, the whole like, oh my goodness, did you know that Raul Perez's daughter's divorced, you know, and, yeah, but it was yeah. like, no, I'm just, you know, I, I was very determined because like my dad had always said, you have to defend yourself, defiendete, and, you know, and it's up to you whether you want to live that way of aguante, like that you're going to put up with it or not, mm-hmm. you know, and make some changes, but yeah, so, you know, and, and so I started advocating and I have to tell you a couple stories. Sometimes I was the one kid that would go to the um, doctor with my grandma and she would tell me, mija, my problem is the is el mal de orin. So it's a, it's a bladder problem. And I said, okay, bladder, bladder, bladder. Okay. And so when I got to, when I got to the doctor, I said, it's her, um, it's her gallbladder. And so the doctor said, oh, okay. So he gets the ultrasound and starts doing the ultrasound on her, on her, on her tummy. And she goes, what did you tell him? And I said, well, I said it was, you know, in Spanish, el mal de orin. And she goes, well, he's checking the wrong place. Tell me he has to go between my legs. And I said, grandma, I can't tell him that. And I said, my grandma wants you to go down there. <laughs> I realized that gallbladder is not the same as bladder. So, you know, and I just thought grandma's right. Because by this time, my grandma had been widowed, right? And I thought, well, maybe she's... I don't know. Maybe she just she's lonely. I don't know. So you know, we laugh about those things, but because you know, it, it, and now you have the HEPA rules, right? That you they have to have interpreters especially yep. for medical and you can't use a child because you know they could interpret incorrectly which I did but my right. favorite story was when I would go with my dad to the doctor and you know and so dad would say well tell him that my leg hurts or this or that and my foot hurts and then um, the doctor said okay tell your father that he's come of age and so the next appointment we're going to do a prostate exam and I <laughs> you know I don't know what that was and then and then I said oh okay well um, can you tell me what it is so I can tell my dad and he says well he's going to have to bend over and then he tells me what he's going to do. And I said, you know, I'm like 11 years old. And I said, I can't say that to my dad. And he says, why not? I said, because I can't say that to my dad. It's all about a respect thing, sir. I can't say that to my dad. And so then the doctor had to like show him. And, and I just was so embarrassed. Like, oh my gosh, this is really dumb. So, you know, just things like that, that you, you, you know, you're the only like lifeline between what they want done and and, and to get their point across. So I had to learn to be very um, respectful. I had to learn to make sure that what I was saying was correct. And so I carried around with me like two or three little dictionaries, like English <laughs> and Spanish dictionaries, just to make sure I was saying things correctly. And and so, you know, and, and so I prided myself in a lot of that stuff. I remember the year my dad wanted to be an American. That He said, OK, you know, the way things are going, I think I'm going to lose my Social Security if I don't become an American citizen. And, you know, they can ask me the questions in Spanish. And but here. 
they gave me the questions in English and I need you to translate them. So I was in, oh in, in, in school, in high school, and I had this typewriter and I said, you know, the old typewriters that, you know, nothing like what we have now. And I said, <laughs> all right, so let me translate them. Well, I want you guys to know that I, you know, I translated all the questions in English and Spanish and the answers and like, and, and so I was probably about 15 at the time and I'm not kidding you. I was probably about 45 when, um, somebody came, uh, up to me and said, are these, uh, these are the questions that they ask. Are these correct? And people had copied my documents because my dad had loaned them out and, and they were still surviving. These documents had survived oh all these years. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh my gosh because i remember the t was crooked on my typewriter and and i go this is this is my this is my work this is what i had typed and 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 it was something that people had held sacred because there was nothing like that at the time people didn't think it was important yeah. and you know and and i thought it was important for my dad and i was going to do a good job and they had survived all these years and now wow. i'm sure that i'm sure that somebody with some type of legal status said well that's not how you say that and you know we need to we need to correct this because I'm sure there was a lot of things that I wasn't you know wasn't pronouncing right or not saying right and and yeah. you know and then they they they've improved it where there was actual translated forms of the questions yeah. but I I felt a lot of pride that you know people had safeguarded those documents and had passed them on for others to to um so it could help others and I thought yeah. oh my gosh this is really cool so like I said it's always been about advocacy helping other people um helping in in different clubs at school um my kids were my everything. So I, but you know, I had this mentality. I was in PTO when my kids were in elementary. And I remember a friend said, um, they're, they're looking for the, a new president for PTO. And I said, and her name is Selena and she was Mexican too. And I said, Selena, white people are the ones that are presidents, not, not people like us, not Mexicans. We're, we can be like, treasures kind of like know your place because that's, yeah. that's the role that we play it's, it's like how you me. grow up so it's like what you yeah. see right? yeah. yeah and 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 she said what what the hell's wrong with you she goes you know what let's be co-presidents and we could and i said oh my gosh but we're like breaking you know just, we're, we're breaking the way it's supposed to be and and she said no no we can do it and i know we can do it and i said okay all right. And so, you know, here I am so many years later and they come to me and they ask me, would you like to be on the school board? Because we have no color on the school board. We have, wow. you know, we had, we have a, a school that has 65% Latinos and we have no color. We'd have no diversity on the board. And I said, well, you think I can do it? And then I thought about my friend, Selena, of course you can do it. And so I ran I ran an election uh, campaign and I won by 70%. My friend oh my says gosh. that was a landslide. You know, yep. it was a rainy day. A hundred people voted and 70 voted for me, but that was a landslide. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, you know, and then, and, and one of the things that I've always prided myself in, you know, if I don't know something, I'm going to learn about it. I'm going to learn how to be the best representative out there. I'm going to learn, you know, and, and just because, like I said before, I don't have a degree. And, and I looked at, you know, when I was running, I looked at all these school boards around the nation and they all had these initials after their name. And I thought, wow, I don't even have, you know, I have six months of BSU and that's all I've got, you know, but a friend of mine told me, do you remember Cecil DeAndres? And I said, yes, but he was one of the best governors the state of Idaho ever had. And she said, yes, he did not have a degree. And I said, you're kidding. And she says, no, he did not have a degree. And, and I thought, wow, 
And he was a very smart man. And so that kind of gave me, you know, it made me hold up my head higher, you know, pull my shoulders back. And I said, okay, well, I can do it. Because in the long run, I I feel like, you know, when you're running for something or when you want to be a part of, uh, be part of a table, a a board, uh, making decisions for folks, you just have to have a gift of being diplomatic, the gift of Mm -hmm. listening, the gift of people, giving people their space. Mm -hmm. And, And you may not agree with them, but you don't, you don't put them out there and shame them in front of everybody there's a way you know that you go around it and I think that I've learned it you know through all the years of trying to defend my father because he didn't speak English and then also trying to learn how to play the game so that you are taken into account and people listen to you you know because there's a, a certain way that you play the game until you know what the game's all about and then you know Saca las uñas. You take your fingernails out, Daniel. Once you know how to, how to play the game, I'm like, oh, I got this Monopoly. I got it. Now I'm yeah. going to beat you. I'm going to buy everything here. <laughs> that that kind of makes me think like La Vida was your degree. You know, life, yeah. Daniel, this is for you. Life is yeah. your degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. And, and, and I, I remember thinking because my, you know, I told my parents, I really want to go to college. And, and my dad, have you folks, have you ever, have you heard of the movie Mi Familia? Yes. Okay. If you haven't, you need to watch it, Daniel. And, and I so <laughs> resonate with that movie because they have a younger brother and his name is Guillermo. Memo. And the younger brother ends up going to, uh, so a lot of things happen to all the family members throughout time. And in Memo, Guillermo is the Spanish word for William, becomes an attorney. And, you know, and, and so he gets engaged and he brings his white girlfriend into the barrio and they, you know, and, and, um, and they said, Oh, William, we didn't know that. And, and the brother's like, who the hell's William? Is that what they call you, Memo? <laughs> you know? And so, so you become somebody else. And, and then, you know, the brothers were like, Oh, now you're white. And so I kind of got that when I wanted to go to college, you know, everybody, all my friends were, they were getting jobs at Simplot. And that was a great thing because you weren't working in the fields anymore and you had, you had some benefits and that was the best that they you know at the time and yeah. i thought no i want to go to college and my dad was like oh you want to be white <laughs> and and so it's a struggle because you you feel like you're you you feel like you're um what's the word that you're not being true to your culture that yeah. you're you know you're you're putting them aside and and it's not and so for the longest time i didn't go to college i went you know, straighten to work. And for the longest time, you know, I, I was bitter because I wasn't given the chance to go to college. And when I graduated from Caldwell High School, I was top 10. So as a migrant, I had made the top 10 out of a class of 300 and some kids. And then when I went to work at Micron five years later, um, they asked me for my transcripts and they said, uh, then they looked at him and they, in the smallest little letters on the bottom, it said rank in class. And in my in- interviewer said, wow, so how does it feel to be valedictorian? And I said, I was valedictorian? And she says, yeah, they didn't tell you? I said, no, they never told me. So, you know, it was, and this is where you guys are going to cry. Remember you said you were going to cry? No. (laughs) But it was, (laughs) but it was, it was like, I thought, wow, I made it because, you know, I always, I was in the class that everyone was in, in. And then later on, as I spoke to some of my old professors that, you know, were in high school, I said, 
like, why wasn't I acknowledged? And they said, well, you weren't taking these, you know, you weren't taking trig, you weren't taking chemistry. I said, yes, because my counselor said I should take shorthand and accounting. And they said, well, we figured that your career path was better suited for you if you went to work in an office. Wow. So, you know, wow. so, so when I, when I learned that, I said, okay, it stops here. We need to make sure that every child has a equal opportunities to pursue the biggest dream and mm-hmm. you know and 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 it no matter where they're at and this is where equity comes in yes. you know it's it's that picture of the kid looking over the fence the three kids looking over the fence and they're all different mm-hmm. the different heights and it doesn't matter that you give them the same box they're still gonna some are gonna have advantages more than others and so you just have to look at where it's gonna be all equal so that's huge for me and and I'm proud to say that you know a lot of kids that you know there are some kids that we have in in the Caldwell High School uh in, in our school system that have made amazing successes. We have, um, we have a young girl from the campo, her mom, uh, we just, we just honored her this last board meeting. Her name is Julissa and Julissa was chosen to be in a leadership program at Princeton University. Wow, and so she lived, wow. she grew up in the, in the campo, a single mom. And she, she's just this tiny thing, but she says, I want to be able to bring something back and make my community better. And that just gives me chills. Cause mm. I think, wow, this is, this is this kid that, that has the dream that, that I had, but later on in life, and she's already wanting to accomplish something. And so yeah. we were honoring her at the board meeting and her mom was in the back. And, and I knew her mom because there was three years that I worked at, at the campo mm-hmm. in, in the offices there. And I knew her mom from working there. And, and I said, you know, and I told her, I said, uh, I, I, I responded or I told her in Spanish what we were giving her daughter, that we were giving her daughter accolades for her success. And she tells me in Spanish, she says, you know, I don't have wings because I'm poor. I don't have wings to give her. She goes, but I have air and I can blow and I can help her fly high. That's all I got. Uh-huh. And I was like, ah! and so I, I had to translate it. And, you know, and it just brought tears to my eyes because I thought, you know, that that's our parents. They, they may not yeah. have anything. They don't speak the language, but they're there to support our kids. And, and I've got to give them kudos at our board meetings because, you know, I need to, to let them know. And so, you know, we talk about representation. Nobody would know these stories if they... Uh-huh didn't visit these kids, if they didn't know the families, if they don't know, if you don't go to the quinceañeras, you don't go to, you know, whatever, um, help with the kermeses because somebody passed away and they don't have life insurance or, you know, yep. or help with a kermes because they don't have medical insurance. You don't know these stories because when you live no. among, among the, these minority communities, you know, the stories, you know, what's going on, you know, the families, and then you say, okay, who's going to advocate for these people? Because, you know, their kids are young. They're, they're just barely getting their wings. And mom and dad, they're just happy because they just got their green card and they don't have to work in the fields anymore. They can yeah. work in a factory job, which, you know, uh, for us, we're like, what do you mean a factory job? I want, I want to be in an office setting where I have AC and I can go get coffee whenever I want. And, you know, and, and, and have my holidays off and, yeah. and you know, sick and, and so, uh-huh, and sick leave and, yep. and 401k and, yes. you know, all that good stuff. So, and, and, um, you know, I think about, my opponent and I think you know that there was a newspaper article in the Idaho Press Tribune and it talked about you know the outreach that I'm trying to do with the Latino community and he says well you know I don't we're all the same I don't think that I need to do community outreach and I'm like sir we are not the same you know (laughs) you tell him tell him tell him you know I'm just like oh and the kids are like, Mom, settle down. So I'm like, 
Oh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I want to debate, but they say, we're going to, you know, if we do anything, it'll be a panel discussion. No, I want to, you know, I want to debate yeah. and I want to, you know, I want to tell them, you know, do you door knock? Do you, cause I'm door knocking, talking to everybody and, yeah. you know, and, but you know, the, the, the majority party wins because of the, uh, an, a letter of the alphabet, the R that they have behind their name. They don't have to work at campaigning because they're going to get the votes from the rest of the Republicans in the state. And and for me, I wish it wasn't, you know, party affiliated. I wish that it was like, this is what I want to do for you, not just for right. Latinos, but for everybody that lives here in Caldwell and make changes in the, in the laws in the state of Idaho. You know, yeah. cha- changes that affect and that will benefit everybody. So that's, right. you know, that's my big thing. And because I know, I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like um, for elderly people to get, you know, property tax bills and they can't afford them. You know, it's either that or, you know, their medicine or the cat food. Yeah. And the cat food always wins because that's their only <laughs> companion, you know, pobrecitos. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, you know, and, and so that's why, that's why I run, you know, what, why, why I want to run, why I really want to win. And, and, you know, I, and my kids also, they, they pump me up and, and I see what they go through and they say, mom, you can do it and there's times that I get really down but you know my daughter um a lot of people think social media is a bad thing they think that you know all these kids on TikTok and you know I I'm I still one of my goals is to do a TikTok dance to savage love and it's gonna happen one of these days Javier Javier's actually I was like Javier's actually quite the TikTok guy if you look at the CWI TikTok I'm gonna have to do that yeah I know if you can show me the dance of savage love, you know, I could like do something, yeah, and, yeah. Well, you know, but <laughs> but so you know, funny. there's there's my daughter Lucy has learned so much from TikTok, especially you know ab- about our ancestors, which is huge in the Native American culture and and in the Mexican American culture, and yeah. you know, last year, Fourth uh, of July. I was working on the Democratic booth and I said, wow, I'm going to have to go buy a shirt, you know, like the red, white and blue shirt. And Lucy says, no, mom. And I said, what should I wear? She goes, you need to wear orange. And I said, orange. And I said, why orange? And so she showed me these TikToks and I was just crying and crying. And it was the orange represented those, the children that had been buried, you know, the Native American. Yes. In, in the schools. And, and, and it was something that had just come up. And I said, Lucy, why, why isn't it like on national news? And she says, because people want to bury it, mom. But we're learning from it, mom, because of social media. And, yeah. you know, and so I wore an orange shirt. And and um, and then somebody took a picture of me with my comrades. And then I put it on Facebook and I said, ask me why I'm wearing an orange shirt. And then I added the TikToks. And, you know, a lot of people were like, wow, we didn't even realize this was going on. And so, you know, like I said, it's, 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 um, TikTok is really, with social media media, Instagram, you know, all of YouTube has, has taught my daughter more about like the Mexican American history than she ever could learn in the books in school. And, you know, some people fight about it and say, oh, that's critical race theory. No, it's just trying to learn the truth. So it doesn't happen Mm -hmm. again, you know? And so for me, that's very, very important because, you know, when I was in Texas, my dad, we we were in, in fifth grade and we learned about Texas history. And I went home to my dad and I said, dad, did you know about the Alamo, how the Mexican soldiers came and killed 
killed everybody. And that's why they say, remember the Alamo. And my dad, because my dad had gone to school in Mexico and he says, when they tell you remember the Alamo, you tell them, remember Chapultepec. And I said, is that enchiladas or something? <laughs> and he goes, no. He goes, no, Chapultepec was a military academy in Mexico. And at the time that the um, U.S. Army went down there during the revolution, the only kids, the only people that were there in the military academy were young cadets, you know, 10-year-old cadets. And they had told them, whatever you do, don't give up the military academy. And so what these kids did was when the, they didn't want to give it up. And so instead of surrendering, they went to the top of the building and they wrapped themselves around. They wrapped themselves with the Mexican flag and they they fell to their death. And so it is the, the niños héroes, the 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 children the heroic children of Chapultepec so I thought wow you know I realized there's two stories there's two sides to every story yeah and 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 we need to look at that because you know you you don't you don't ever go with just one side you've got to question it and and that's where your intellect comes in you've got to question what's going on and and it's with everything even with my kids were fighting Miguel why did you do this and then Lucero why did you do that and you know and you find out both stories but it was really an eye-opener for me when I was in in middle school because I thought wow and I thought that really happened and he goes and dad said yes and it was happening at the same time so yeah Wow. You, you must learn your history. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and, and I was grateful for that because my dad knew some, you know, he was educated up to the eighth grade in Mexico and, and he was able to give me some of that. And he would say, when they call you a wet back, you call them a wet body. And I said, what? <laughs> he goes, because we only crossed the river and they crossed the ocean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I was like, okay, dad, I don't want to get in trouble, but okay. (laughs) So, yeah. That's that's been super um, insightful. And you've kind of taken me back memory lane, if I'm being honest. A lot of your story resonates with mine growing up. And I'm really excited to have somebody like you championing, um, Mm -hmm. you know, our stories and, and giving us more opportunities and making us more aware of what is out there and what we you know, what we can access, what is a good resource? Um, I wanted to ask you two questions kind of mm-hmm. to wrap up this segment. And one of them was, you know, well, first of all, you've already touched on it, which is the why are you running? And and that's, mm-hmm. you know, that hit home for me. So, so I'm, you know, thank you for that. But can you also speak a little bit? And again, you've shared a little bit more, but what are you hoping to accomplish if elected? Okay. You know, I work in a, in an office where we, you know, not everybody thinks like I do. And, um, and so I, sometimes I have to keep my successes really quiet because I'm not going to get, you know, I'm not going to get the like button on Facebook, you know? And <laughs> so I keep my successes quiet and, but, and, and, and they tell me, you know, you're one Democrat. It's not like you're going to make a big change. Your one vote isn't going to count. And I and I think about it and I'm like, oh, but what if I can what if if I can speak and I can change somebody's mind? And then my other fellow politicians are like, you are not going to change some of these people's minds. And then I said, OK, but what if at Caldwell High School or CWI? or NNU, or CFI, there's a Latino kid, or a kid of a minority community, a Native American child, or somebody that says, Miss Pesina made it, and, and you know, I, I can make it too. And what if this started a grassroots effort of Latinos, you know, thinking there is a place for me, and I should fight for it. And, you know, there's a saying that says, you can't be what you can't see. And yeah. I talk about it a lot. And I say, you know, and, and in my school district, I talk about it a lot with my administrators. And I tell them, we need more Latino 
teachers. We need more Native American teachers. We, you know, because these kids, we have white people telling them, hey, you can go to college, you can do this, you can do that. And I used to look at it, well, you can do it because you had parents that went to college. You had parents that helped you do this and helped you do that, Mm -hmm. you know? So if I had somebody that half the time is talking to me about my abuelita or talking to me about tamales, because that's what we're going to do for Christmas, then (laughs) then I feel, you know, this, like, the safe space. Like, I belong, like, okay, well, maybe I should listen to them and their lessons or their opinions of how I can be better. Because, you know, I tell my administration, you can't be what you can't see. So we've got to get more teachers. But unfortunately, right now, it's not a good time to be a teacher. You're getting a lot of pushback from parents, from the government, from radical extremists. And then, you know, you don't get enough pay. Other states are paying better. So, you know, th- there's a lot to work on. Um, but but I want, you know, my my uh, my conversations with the kids in school are always, whatever you do, come back. Come back to your community and give back to your community. Because, you know, that's how we're going to make it better. You know. I've Caldwell was where I was born. My dad's home base was Piedras Negras. We went to Eagle Pass. And and I think that because I did go to Eagle Pass, I saw people in leadership roles, you know, uh, Judge Barrientos, you know, pol- Chief of Police de la Garza, um, El Doctor Rodriguez. So I, I saw people in leadership roles. So I saw it as a child. So I know it can happen. Mm-hmm. And but it, and it's a little bit tougher here, but I just feel like we can break these barriers and, and become what we need to become because Caldwell School District is 65% Latinos. Caldwell City is 35% Latinos. So we have a problem of white flight. The white children are going to different schools because they don't want to be where the, the, the POCs are. Whatever reason, you know, they want to yeah. go to the charter schools. They want to go here. There's so much crime. There's And maybe, you know, crime happens because of frustration. Frustration happens because of trauma, generational trauma, you know, poverty or whatever it is. So really, it shouldn't be a war on drugs. It should be a war on trauma, you know, yeah. and so, so that's that's where you know my foresight is, and 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 that's why what makes me run because maybe my vote won't count, but my my the fact that I'm there, the fact that you know I was able to win an election mm-hmm. is hopefully going to give inspire these kids with hope that if they set their mind on a dream that they can achieve it. Because Miss Pesina, look at what Miss Pesina did, you know, and so that that's that's why I do it. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Daniel, you had a... Yeah, I guess. So my, my last question would be, so a lot of times on... So I work for my tribe's radio station. I'm the radio coordinator. But a lot of times with my interviews on my radio show, one thing I always try to ask, because I'm a huge advocate for representation, positive representation, um, especially in media. And um, my question, my last question would be for you is, you know, you kind of already touched a little bit on it, but like, why do you think representation is um, so important and what does it mean to you? Yes. Um, I'm going to tell you, we we as as a school board trustees we have this convention that we go to every year and it happens in November the day after I win my election I have to take a flight up to Coeur d'Alene and I go to this convention it's ISBA Idaho State Board Association they train us and they tell us what to do they have workshops like 110 workshops and I look at these workshops and I go oh this is a good workshop and it's talking about minority communities I'm going to go to that workshop so I can I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to educate them so I go to this workshop and I'm sitting next to the only African-American lady Tony Brenniger who is also the chair of the Valley View School District so we're sitting there and I'm like okay come on come on white men come in here because I'm going to we're going to tell you a thing or two (laughs) well the room gets full of Native Americans and I I think okay and there's a few white men and so I'm thinking 
okay, well, this is different because, you know, I've never had that here in Kane County, right? And <laughs> so we're, we're listening and, you know, we hear these stories and, you know, I learned that in a lot of these places, um, my son went to school at University of Idaho, so I don't know if you are familiar with anybody up there, but there's a uh, a lady that they, Yolanda, and they call her Big Mama oh, at the University yeah. of Idaho, yep. yeah. And so <laughs> I told her. my son, you better, you better give her some respect. And, you know, and so everybody knows Big Mama, right? And, <laughs> and, and, and so that's when I realized how many, you know, how many Native Americans we, ha- we have in those areas. And so I started listening to their stories. And then I think, who? holy shit, I thought we had it rough, you know, and and, and and I thought these people are trustees, but nowhere did I see that, you know, and they, these were school districts and reservations, and nowhere did they have superintendents that were Native Americans, they were all white men. Mm-hmm. And I said, how do you, how do you make decisions? You know, what is it that, you know, what is it that makes you, what can I say, like, that gives you the knowledge that you need to decide for this community mm-hmm. and and i thought wow and and i learned about you know one of the biggest things that they they were sick and tired of the mascots oh yeah you know <laughs> and and I, and i thought and then the way they were presenting and and i thought wow you know we have a school here in caldwell the sacagawea elementary and i thought did we ask permission to use that name you know because you know it, and it just gave me a different perspective yeah and had there not been native american representatives trustees i would have never known their side of the story so representation matters because you know sometimes you think it's only happening to me and you hear the other sides of the stories and i want to tell you we caldwell school district caldwell high school has not been able to win a football game in years and you know we had a homecoming we had to leave our conference because you know our kids were getting hurt and and the other schools were just too tough so we decided to play these little different little schools out outside you know outside of the conference and so for for homecoming last week we we got buell and i said oh buell and so you know we were learning the cheers and everything and 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 never could i you know never 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 did they say the mascot never in the cheer and i said i wonder what their mascot is and it wasn't only until we got the roster and it said buell indians and i thought wow but our kids knew better in our homecoming assemblies they never said the mascot name they just said we're gonna get those bills we're gonna get those bills you know because they knew better and and it made my heart you know it 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 made me proud that they knew why not to say that and Mm -hmm. like i said it wasn't it wasn't until you know i got the roster and i'm like wow i can't even believe they their school you know because the school presents a roster and you know and so i learned a lot about the mascot thing because of what i learned that day at the conference and i thought wow so representation matters not just for latinos but for native americans for all all our different communities out there for Mm -hmm. you know black lives matter all of that stuff it all matters and and i fly my flags outside here you know i live in a house in the middle of town and i fly fly my pride flag and i fly my black lives matter and not for me it's not for me it's for those people that come into our town that they can say hey there's a safe place right there you know those people are those people are welcoming and they're loving and they're creating safe places um sometimes i get a little we get little rocks that are painted with the rainbow and 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 little kids will leave notes and the notes will say you don't know me and I don't know you, but I live with very Christian parents and they, I can't talk to them about who I am, but 
when my bus goes by your house and I see the pride flag, I smile, you know, and I think, okay, that flag is out there for that kid. And and for him to know he's not alone, no matter what's going on in his home, he's not alone. And there are other people that are just like him. So yes, representation matters. And you know, sometimes, you know, when my dad was growing up, his father said, hey, don't make a ruckus. We don't want to stand out. Blend in, blend in. But sometimes you've got to stick out because you've got to, you've got to let people know who you are and why you're there. Amazing. Are you crying? Daniel's <laughs> yeah, choked up. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to go find those Beal Indians real quick. Just I know, right? I know. I was like, no, what? Um, our tribal council a few years ago while my uncle was on serving our tribal council, he actually, there's a town here on the reservation called um, Nez Perce. Uh-huh. And they were the Nez Perce Indians all my life growing up. They were Nez Perce Indians. And so our tribal council actually like, uh, worked with the school district to get that changed. Now I think they're like the ne- the Nest Purse, like Nighthawks or something like that. Uh-huh. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I know. Um, yeah, that that's definitely a huge topic that can go on and on. And, and yeah. it's cool that now you know my younger sister. She just graduated from U of I a few years ago, and she's actually just got um, elected to our school board here in Lapway. So oh, so yes, she, yeah. So you'll probably I hope meet I her see at one her. of those yeah. meetings. Yes, yeah. You're you'll probably to meet her somewhere. Me, you're gonna have wow. to tell me her name, and I will look for her. I will definitely yeah. go look for her. Yeah, because she was awesome. just talking about she was just talking about a, a conference in Coeur d'Alene. She's like, uh-huh. yeah, they're talking about some conference I have to go to in Coeur d'Alene soon yeah. or something. So I was like, oh, she yeah, needs to go. Yeah, Betsy's on her. Yeah, yeah, we need yeah, Betsy's out sister. there. <laughs> yeah, Good. she's on the school board now. Yeah, she's like the youngest school board member in everything. Oh, that's so awesome. She just yeah, she just turned twenty five, and so she's oh, wow. um, she's yeah. getting involved and in stepping into her leadership role, which. Good. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we that are just. proud of her. Yeah, that just brings more and more things that you can do. It opens up mm-hmm. doors and, and you think, why not? You know, just, just about advocating. So, oh, that's yeah. awesome. You're going to have to send me her name. Yeah, I'm going to look for her. All right. So thank you so much, Maricela, for sharing and, you know, giving us your insights and thoughts. We want to say good luck to you um, mm-hmm. as you pursue, uh, you know, the election and, and running through the campaign. Um, everything you've said today has been so meaningful to me as someone, you know, who is Latino. And I just want to say, like, you know, I, I fully support you and I hope that that people are listening because even I in my mind, even if you were not to win, and I really hope you do, mm-hmm. the fact that you're sharing your story with so many people is going to be so impactful. Mm-hmm. It's going to resonate with, with a lot of folks and I know it's going to make a big difference. So I, I want to Thank you for for all your work. Um, so now let's shift gears a little bit. And okay, we have <laughs> we have a segment that we like to call our Brown Sound Shady Questions. Okay, so what we do is we ask three questions. Mm-hmm. We uh, you can skip one if you would like, but you can answer all three if if you wish. And uh, so yes, and these questions came from the internet, and so <laughs> you know we randomize it and we just go with whatever's chosen, and you know that's that's how we do it. So okay, we're gonna ask three questions. We'll all take mm-hmm. turns answering, and that'll be it. Good. Okay, sounds good. Okay, all right. So first question is this is gonna be a local question. What city has the best Mexican food? Is it Nampa or Caldwell, and why? <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to start first? Oh, I'll start. We'll do our I'll, guest. Yeah, we'll do our okay. guest first. Guess, I'll go first. first. I'm going to say Caldwell because that's where my grandma lives. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's got the best food. Tamales, pozole, menudo, enchiladas, tacos, whatever. And, you know. Okay. 
and and I gotta say Caldwell just because my grandma lives here. <laughs> okay, okay, good. And then uh, next question is, who is your favorite family member and why? And I'm gonna have to go with my grandma too, my maternal grandmother. She widowed at 45 years old. Um, you know, she never remarried because she said no man will love my grandchildren the way their grandfather loved them. And so I don't want any of that to happen. But she's always been real resilient. And man, she knew how to hustle. She <laughs> she paid off her house, you know, after, you know, they gave her a 30-year mortgage and she paid it off like in 15 years. She worked at Simplot. Oh, wow. The only thing she knew in English was her social security number because you had to say your social security number to get your paycheck at Simplot. And so that's the only thing <laughs> she learned in English. And, you know, but she hustled. She made um, um, queso fresco, so fresh cheese from, mm-hmm. from like... Um, um, raw milk and and she would sell it and she was an entrepreneur she made raspas you know just oh, yeah. like uh, in the styrofoam cups she didn't help the environment very much but she made <laughs> a lot of money in the summertime so she just you know she she inspired me that no matter what you just keep going because if you if, if you give up that's it but you're always going to find a way out if you don't give up just you know and she's my favorite she's my queen my grandma mm, love that um all right and last question is knowing what we know about different cultures and their traditions and their customs and food um if you could choose to be a different ethnicity which one would you pick and why i'm gonna have to stick with being mexican-american because yeah we have so much culture you know i think i've seen jealousy from bland people <laughs> we won't name <laughs> names but you know we have we have our dances our mexican dances we have our mariachi we have banda we have we have tejano we have you know we just have in in our foods and our you know our ancestry our our aztec ancestors the greatest civilization in the world you know they, they were engineers and they just did amazing things and and it's a little exotic yeah. <laughs> and i yeah, would like to yeah. say that, that that's you know i i'm gonna have to stick with that and you know and, and i've got to say a little story my my daughter made really good friends in the trio upward bound program with the kids from the reservation in in nevada and i can't remember was it is it the awahi oh yeah the yeah. shoshone Paiute. yes and she made really good friends with them and she said one year mom we've got to go and and, and she made friends with them at bsu she says mom we've got to go to graduation of my friends and i said great and this is me being biased and and you know and i said great let's go down there and i can't wait because i'm just wondering what kind of you know their festivities they're probably going to have a powwow and they're going to have you know uh fried bread and they're going to have all this stuff and we get there and um it's a barbecue hamburgers and hot dogs <laughs> and i'm like what what's going on here <laughs> but it reminded me of my son when he had his graduation party and I got Albertson's chicken and you know and salads and, and my friends were like where's the rice and bean and enchiladas and I said we don't just always eat that and you know and, and then when when I said where's aren't they gonna dance their traditional dances and Lucy said mom would you get Mexican hat dances out, dancers out there for my graduation I said well I guess not you know so it, it, it's just you know what we think and, and we don't realize that no you know those are for celebrations or special occasions yeah. no settle down <laughs> but what i did notice is and and it touched my heart immensely is that the the native americans the, those folks that were where we were at they prayed in their native language and they uh the younger kids fed 
their elders first. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, the respect. And then it got cool. And they went and brought the blankets out for their elders. Mm -hmm. And I just, I was like, can we stay here? You know, because it was so beautiful. <laughs> and, and, and you don't see that a lot because there's connectivity, you know, mm -hmm. we, we're still a family. We're still together. And I think that's the similarities between our two cultures is that mm -hmm. we're family. And, you know, it doesn't matter your theos, your uncles, your aunts. We're still family and you respect that. So mm -hmm. anyways, that was a long time. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing. Uh, so, Daniel, same question for you. In your okay. opinion, which city has the best Mexican food, Nampa or Caldwell? I'd probably just have to agree with Caldwell because your mom lives in Caldwell. <laughs> Javier's mom's a really good cook. And so definitely you had to say Caldwell. I don't think I've ever been had any food in Nampa, actually, but I mean, I'll just stick with Caldwell. And um, who's my favorite family member and why? Oh. <laughs> Yikes. No. I think my favorite family member would probably be my mom. Um, my mom is just, she's just the, you know, the rock that my family always has and needs and whatever we need, we go to our mom. So my mom is definitely probably one of the strongest women I know. So definitely my mom. And if I had a choice to choose another ethnicity and why, um, I would probably, you know, I'd probably say Mexican. You know, I enjoy the culture. <laughs> the food and um yeah it's all it's all it's all fun and it's always it's always fun to be around you know other cultures and learn mm. and things like that so yeah yeah well and i gotta say daniel has an open invitation to all the carne asadas because he just gets it <laughs> yes. he's, 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 okay he, gets it, he understands it he's there with us so daniel loves lachona he loves group oh <laughs> my god yes he's out he knows un rinconcito en el cielo you know we went to college <laughs> <laughs> so <we> yeah <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of uh, singing memories at do, three, three in the morning. <laughs> uh, yes. So for me, I grew up in Caldwell. I, you know, born and raised. I went up to U of I and was gone for a few years while I was up there working and being a student. But I've come back and I love everything about Caldwell. So I have bias here. What city has <laughs> the best Mexican food? Caldwell, hands down. I, I have my go-to places. Obviously, my mom can cook. But there's also restaurants that I grew up with that are just my favorite. So I know I know where to go. And no, no disrespect to Nampa. But yeah, if you're someone listening and you're trying to get Mexican food, <laughs> come to Caldwell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come to my mom's house. Come to my <laughs> Marisela's grandma's house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then who is your favorite family member and why? So I am I am really close with my family. And that's just part of the culture. Really close mm -hmm. with my siblings, my mom, my dad, um, my even my sister-in-laws. And I know some people don't have good relationships with their in-laws, uh, you know, but I, I have really good relationships. So do I have a favorite family member? No, they're all my favorite. And I'm thinking about, do I have a my, my immediate family for me is is my favorite. And I'm not copying out of that. Like I legit feel that way about about my family. Um and then if you had to choose a different ethnicity and why, um, I wouldn't change being Latino or being Mexican. Would never change that. I love all the experiences, cultures, but my culture, our traditions, and even everything that I've experienced with my family. I love that. Would I if I could change like for a day, I would love to do that just to get into someone else's shoes to mm -hmm. learn about like their cultures their traditions why they think the way they do um all that is really important to me so who would i choose i think i would choose like being an indigenous person like mm -hmm. you know and i oh, i only get to yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
um, and being able to just like you know be in community with Daniel's family, like his parents and his sisters, and I mean we've done events on the Nez Perce Reservation where so we have little side gigs where where we've sold food, right? But <laughs> yeah. even just being a part of like that community and just being part of the laughter and being you know welcomed that's been huge for me and it's been very similar to like our latino communities and how we are like with people that are not of our mm -hmm. you know of our traditions and our in our community so I, i i would say being an indigenous person to learn more about the history and the culture and um what it's like being in daniel shoes let me borrow your let me borrow your vans chickens yeah. <laughs> I'm like my Burks. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, it's been yes. So, anyways, Marisela, yeah. we want to thank you so much for coming in today and sharing a little bit on your on your history and who you are and what what you're trying to accomplish with your campaign. Um, at the same time, this is the very first episode for us this season, so you're helping us kick it off, and you yes. know we're just excited to have you be be part of. This history for us, because, you know, we're documenting a lot in, in our podcast. We're sharing a lot on our lives and highlighting a lot of the people who are doing good and wanting to uplift our community. So we're very happy that what you're doing aligns with what we're trying to do today um, and in the future. And so let's let's wrap up the episode today. Um, I want to ask you both, what was your thorn in this episode and what was your rose? What was a highlight and what was something that, you know, wasn't your favorite or could, you know, maybe you didn't have anything. I don't know. So who wants to start? Um. I'll start. You know, I was thinking about when when you were talking about being um, indigenous, and and I I was thinking if I was indigenous, what would I be? And you know, I would be really mad, and you know, and <laughs> want to beat the shit out of a lot of people. You know, I. It, I remember watching, you know, I Will Fight No More Forever as a little kid. I remember reading the books Crazy Horse and, you know, and just the things that happen. I don't know if I could, if my soul could like, you know, like get over it. I, I'd have to. I'd have to, right? Yeah. But it is just, there was so many wrongs done. And and so, and a lot of that stuff, you know, I, I've, you know, it's so near and dear to my heart. And, and you know, we, it just, ah, uh, you know, and so you will always find me sticking out for my indigenous brothers. And, and, and I feel in a way that you know if you if you look at a picture of my grandfather he looks people would say was he native american and and he looks you know his features are that way but mm -hmm. you know and and i've been asked that too I, i i was speeding in the state of washington going through a reservation and the and the officer said if i had my res card and i thought is that a credit card what yeah i didn't know what that <laughs> meant and should i say yes or no <laughs> can i get out of this you know but so a lot of people have have, have uh mistaken me and my daughter too but you know it, it just when i think about it you know yeah i remember watching the movie across the crooked sky i remember watching the wind walker you know my dad mm -hmm. loved all those movies because it, it brought out you know maybe a nicer part it as a child if i watched it as, as an adult i don't know if i would see some bias or some things that i wouldn't like mm -hmm. but there was always a, a part a, a soft part you know of me for for our native american brothers and so you know i yeah i have to say that i'd be so mad help me daniel help me yeah. get to a therapist or something yeah. <laughs> just because i think i would be more you know like mm, like let's mm. uh, like i'd be out there fighting a lot more in 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 debating and but anyways i think that would be my 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 thorn my um my rose i think would be in this podcast is probably just the fact of you know the advocacy work trying to to better our community trying to better all the 
the different communities that we have, the minority, especially the minority communities, because we don't get a chance to be at the table and, and we need mm-hmm. to be because there's some important decisions being made that affect us or, or either they affect us or they go right over us. And, yeah. and it's important to be there. And so um, the fact that I was able to get that out and, you know, part of that rose also is, is the fact that I get to meet you guys. This is amazing. <laughs> the brown sound. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, now I'm going to have to listen to all your episodes. I'm going to, it's going to be like the Game of Thrones. Um, what, what is it called that you do it all day? The, the marathon. Oh, like marathon? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to do a brown sound marathon <laughs> and listen to all of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm so glad that you guys are doing this because it needs to be done. You know, we need to have, and I love the fact that you have a lot of humor and, and it's light, you know, and, and, you know, and it needs to be that way. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for not thinking, well, I'm not old enough to be a DJ or whatever, whatever people think, you know, about <laughs> being, you know, on radio and, you know, and you have a voice and, and you do have that radio voice, you know, yeah. <laughs> Oh, gracias. <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you right. so much. Daniel, you're next. Oh, I guess. Um, I don't think I have a thorn for today. You know, today's been a lot of fun. It's been really cool to hear, you know, the stories and the experiences and the and the different perspectives. I really appreciate um, your time and for you to share that, you know. And uh, my rose, I guess, would just be kicking off season three, you know, with a powerhouse here, you know. <laughs> we get to kick off with uh, starting the season three with a bang. So it's um, definitely excited. And um, again, you know, good luck in your campaign. And if I could vote for you up here, I definitely would. But, <laughs> but yes, definitely. Um, yeah. Keep up the good work and appreciate all that you're doing. Thank yeah. you. So for me, my rose was definitely kind of re- remembering my my childhood with you. That uh-huh. I, I got to say, if, if I take anything away from today is understanding of how resilient our communities are. That even though we grow up in poverty and we have these life experiences that make us that much stronger. And when folks say things like, you know, I don't need to cater to different communities. That to me is troubling because you're not trying to understand our Mm -hmm. struggles you're not trying to get into our communities to understand what our current issues are you're not acknowledging the fact that you know we don't have the same lived experiences as you and mm-hmm. the other piece is, what are you going to do to help us navigate what is pressing to us, right? And if you're mm-hmm. not coming into our communities, how are we going to welcome you into them? That's the other piece for me. Um, right. mm-hmm. And so you sharing your story today, my Rose, highlighting your childhood and me reliving mm-hmm. it, Rose. I loved all of that. Um, Thorn, I I can't say I have one either today. Yeah. Today's <laughs> been a lot of fun, and I just want to say thank you for taking your time to to be in to be with us today and getting vulnerable because honestly Mm -hmm. that's what you've done today in sharing your story with all of our listeners thanks so much um let's go ahead and wrap up the episode then so we want to say thanks so much again for coming maricela you have an open invitation to coming anytime um you would like and uh Yes. So. All right. Again. Yes. Thanks again for your time today. And thanks for our listeners for tuning in. You know, uh, we appreciate all the support. Remember, you can always follow the Brown Sound Podcast on Instagram. We're just under Brown Sound Podcast. Or you can email us, even Brown Sound Podcast 208 at gmail.com, I believe. <laughs> I'm like, hold up. I'm about to re record that part. But, anyways, but yeah, you can always follow us on Instagram at Brown Sound Podcast. If you, you know, fill it in your heart to, 
to give us a five-star rating, go and do that too. We appreciate yep. it. Um, and last point for me is, Maricela, if anyone would like to contact you, ask any questions about your campaign, would like to connect with you about the work that you're doing, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Okay, it would be, I have a website. So it's Maricela, M-A-R-I-S-E-L-A, for F-O-R, Idaho.com. That's my website. And then you can always email me there. Um, I also have, I'm I'm pretty, you know, the kids say it's because you're an old lady mom. I'm really, <laughs> <laughs> I get really busy with Facebook. I enjoy Facebook and I post a lot of stories and different things on Facebook. So I have my personal um, Facebook, Maricela Pesina, but I also have my campaign one, which is Maricela Pesina for Idaho. So okay. you can look it up and in, 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 in the, the, my campaign Facebook is also mentioned in my website. So yeah, get on there, you know, ask me questions. If you want to help uh, with the campaign, whether, you know, if you want to donate or if you'd like to make some phone calls or help us door knock, you know, this is the last, uh, yesterday was 50 days until the election. So mm -hmm. if there's anything I can say is make sure everybody you know is registered to vote. You know, mm -hmm. every district is different, but it's important that people use their vote because that's their voice. All right. So thanks again so much, uh, Daniel. This has been our first episode for season three. Excited yeah. to be doing this with you again. Um, and, you know, we'll see you next time. Adios. Adios. Cut the IO for listening to the Brown Sound Podcast. We've had a blast with you all today. Make sure to tune in next time. To follow us more closely, you can check us out on Instagram at the Brown Sound Podcast. For partnership opportunities or if you just want to get a hold of us, make sure to email us at the Brown Sound Podcast 208 at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at Brown Sound Podcast. Disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and the hosts only.